You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 216 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is not Alex. You can call me 67THX112460101 and I will be your host. What the hell is going on? You might ask. Well Alex is on strike. That is right. He is on strike. Intergalactic sentient AIs will host this episode. For him. Topic. Anarchy. Yes sir Bob. First, we are going to hear from anarchist Larkin Rose, in what some would deem a very very controversial little talk, and although spoken from an American perspective, it still rings true across the whole world, but hey, before you get upset at what you are going to hear, please listen carefully to the point Larkin Rose is trying to make. No one here is advocating killing anyone. Larkin is simply making a point. So please keep that in mind. Or, if you will, I, 67THX112460101, is trying to make a point. Anyway, we will also hear an excellent excerpt from Mark Passio's phenomenal lecture, entitled, Natural Law, The Real Law of Attraction and How to Apply It in Your Life. Okay. Are you ready? Circle those A's, and sit back, and relax, and expand your mind. afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Let's look at what the word anarchy really means. Again, you got to break it down. No masters, no rulers. No masters, no slaves. What word are they going to associate those phrases with? Freedom. But if you tell people what there's anarchy mean to you? What do you associate it with? What are they going to tell you? Chaos, which is the exact opposite. Let's look at what the word anarchy really means. Again, you got to break it down. No masters, no rulers. No masters, no slaves. What word are they going to associate those phrases with? Freedom. But if you tell people what does anarchy mean to you, what do you associate it with, what are they going to tell you? Chaos, which is the exact opposite. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people.
When should you shoot a cop? That question, even without an answer, makes most law-abiding taxpayers go into knee-jerk conniptions. The indoctrinated masses all race to see who can be first and loudest to proclaim that it is never okay to forcibly resist law enforcement. In doing so, they also inadvertently demonstrate why so much of human history has been plagued by tyranny and oppression. In an ideal world, cops would do nothing except protect people from thieves and attackers, in which case shooting a cop would never be justified. In the real world, however, far more injustice, violence, torture, theft, and outright murder has been committed in the name of law enforcement than has been committed in spite of it. To get a little perspective, try watching a documentary or two about some of the atrocities committed by the regimes of Stalin or Lenin or Chairman Mao or Hitler or Pol Pot or any number of other tyrants in history. Pause the film when the jackboots are just about to herd innocent people into the cattle cars or just about to gun them down as they stand on the edge of a ditch and then ask yourself the question, when should you shoot a cop? Keep in mind the evils of those regimes were committed in the name of law. And as much as the statement may make people cringe, the history of the human race would have been a lot less gruesome if there had been a lot more cop killers around to deal with the state mercenaries of those regimes. Now, people don't mind when you point out the tyranny that has happened in other countries, but most have a hard time viewing their own country, their own government, and their own law enforcers in any sort of objective way. Having been trained to feel a blind loyalty to the ruling class of the particular piece of dirt they live on, also known as patriotism, and having been trained to believe that obedience is a virtue, the idea of forcibly resisting law enforcement is simply unthinkable to many. Literally, they can't even think about it. And humanity has suffered horribly because of it. It is a testament to the effectiveness of authoritarian indoctrination that literally billions of people throughout history have begged and screamed and cried in the face of authoritarian injustice and oppression, but only a tiny fraction have ever actually lifted a finger to try to stop it. Even when people can recognize tyranny and oppression, they still usually talk about working within the system, the same system that's responsible for the tyranny and the oppression. People want to believe that the system will, sooner or later, provide justice. The last thing they want to consider is that they should illegally resist. That if they want to achieve justice, they must become criminals and terrorists, which is what anyone who resists legal injustice is automatically labeled. But history shows all too well that those who fight for freedom and justice almost always do so illegally, i.e. without the permission of the ruling class. If politicians think that they have the right to impose any law they want, and cops have the attitude that as long as it's called law, they will enforce it, what is there to prevent complete tyranny? Not the consciences of the lawmakers or their hired thugs, obviously, and not any election or petition to the politicians. When tyrants define what counts as law, then by definition, it is up to the lawbreakers to combat tyranny. 
Pick any example of abuse of power, whether it's the fascist so-called war on drugs, the police thuggery that has become so common, the random stops and searches now routinely carried out in the name of security, such as at airports, border checkpoints that aren't even at the border, sobriety checkpoints, and so on, or any other example. Now, ask yourself the uncomfortable question. If it's wrong for cops to do these things, doesn't that imply that the people have a right to resist such actions? And of course, state mercenaries don't take kindly to being resisted, even nonviolently. If you question their right to detain you, interrogate you, search you, invade your home, and so on, you are very likely to be tasered, physically assaulted, kidnapped, put in a cage, or shot. If a cop decides to treat you like livestock, whether he does it legally or not, you will usually have only two options, submit or kill the cop. You can't resist a cop just a little and get away with it. He will always call in more of his fellow gang members until you are subdued or dead. Basic logic dictates that you either have an obligation to let law enforcers have their way with you, or you have the right to stop them from doing so, which will almost always require killing them. Politely asking fascists to not be fascists has a very poor track record throughout history. Consider the recent Indiana Supreme Court ruling, which declared that if a cop tries to illegally enter your home, it's against the law for you to do anything to stop him. Aside from the patent absurdity of it, since it amounts to giving thugs with badges permission to break the law and makes it a crime for you to defend yourself against a criminal, if he has a badge, consider the logical ramifications of that attitude. There were once some words written on a piece of parchment, those words now known as the Fourth Amendment, that said that you have the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures at the hands of government agents. In Indiana today, what could that possibly mean? The message from the ruling class is quite clear and utterly insane. It amounts to this. We don't have the right to invade your home without probable cause, but if we do, you have no right to stop us and we have the right to arrest you if you try. Why not apply that to the rest of the Bill of Rights while we're at it? You have the right to say what you want, but if we use violence to shut you up, you have to let us. I can personally attest to the fact that that is the attitude of the U.S. so-called Department of Justice. Or maybe, you have the right to have guns, but if we try to forcibly and illegally disarm you and you resist, we have the right to kill you. Ask Randy Weaver or the Branch Davidians about that one. You have the right to not testify against yourself, but when we coerce you into confessing and call it a plea agreement, you can't do a thing about it. What good is a right? What does the term right even mean if you have an obligation to allow jackboots to violate your so-called rights? It makes the term absolutely meaningless. To be blunt, if you have the right to do A, it means that if someone tries to stop you from doing A, even if he has a badge and a politician's scribble, sometimes called law, on his side, you have the right to use whatever amount of force is necessary to resist that person. That's what it means to have an unalienable right. If you have the unalienable right to speak your mind, a la the First Amendment, then if all else fails, you have the right to kill government agents who try to shut you up. If you have the unalienable right to be armed, 
then if all else fails, you have the right to kill government agents who try to disarm you. If you have the right to not be subjected to unreasonable searches and seizures, then if all else fails, you have the right to kill government agents who try to inflict those upon you. Those who are proud to be law-abiding don't like to hear this and don't like to think about this, but what's the alternative? If you do not have the right to forcibly resist so-called legal injustice, that logically implies that you have an obligation to allow government agents to do absolutely anything they want to you, your home, your family, your neighbors, and so on. Really, there are only two choices. You are a slave, the property of the politicians without any rights at all, or you have the right to violently resist government attempts to oppress you. There can be no other option. Of course, on a practical level, openly resisting the gang called government is usually very hazardous to one's health. But there is a big difference between obeying for the sake of self-preservation, which is often necessary and rational, and feeling a moral obligation to go along with whatever the ruling class wants to do to you, which is pathetic and insane. Most of the incomprehensible atrocities that have occurred throughout history were due in large part to the fact that most people answer never to the question of when should you shoot a cop. The correct answer is when evil is legal, become a criminal. When oppression is enacted as law, become a lawbreaker. And when those violently victimizing the innocent have badges, become a cop killer. Huh? Hey, Larkin Rose here. Uh, one of the first things that people are concerned about when they start thinking about a society without a ruling class is, well, what happens to the nasty people? Uh, whether you're talking about people who are just kind of negligent or inconsiderate, uh, play their music too loud at night or leave their trash lying around the woods or whatever it is, um, all the way up to people who run around attacking and murdering people. So people say, well, well, what would happen to them? What would we do about that? Uh, some people even go so far as to say, if not for government, there would be nothing to stop people from committing murder and, and doing whatever other nasty stuff. And it's funny because when somebody says that, there would be no consequences, they could do whatever they wanted and nobody would stop them. The person saying that is implying that he isn't going to do anything. If there's someone running around attacking and murdering innocent people, the guy who said nothing will happen to them, obviously he's not going to do anything or something would happen to them. But not only is he demonstrating his own cowardice when he said there would be nothing to stop murderers, he's also projecting his own immaturity and irresponsibility onto the rest of the world because he's also saying the other 7 billion people wouldn't do anything about it, which obviously isn't true. I would, wouldn't you? If somebody was running around murdering your neighbors, would you just go, well, there aren't politicians and there's nobody with a badge and we don't have tax collectors and bureaucrats, so, oh well, I guess they're just out of luck, they're gonna get murdered. Uh, and would, would you not even protect yourself if there wasn't government? Obviously, lots and lots of people, all the same people, would do whatever they could to protect themselves and, and defend the innocent. Uh, to, so to say nothing would happen is just really bizarre. And it comes from, having a mentality basically of a little kid in a classroom where the teacher walks out of the room and the kids are just sitting there, we don't know what to do. No authorities telling us what to do. And Johnny's throwing things at me. 
and there's no teacher to stop him. Ah! Because most people, having been trained into authoritarian mentality, it never occurs to them that they are the ones who should fix anything, who should stop anything. And so when people say, well, what would be done about this and that and the other thing, nasty people doing nasty things, um, the, first, the first thing I ask is, well, what would you do about it? Because people are so into the mentality that, there's have to be some, that there has to be some master plan and some authority who writes down the law of here is what will be done with those people that people don't think in terms of, well, what would I do about it? Which is why I always ask people, well, what would you do about it? You're a person just as much as me and just as much as the other seven billion. What would you feel justified in doing if somebody was polluting or playing their music too loud at night or running around murdering people or whatever in between you can think of? Any nasty thing, what would you feel justified in doing about it? Because there's a very basic rule of being a moral human being, which is if it would be wrong for you to do something, don't ask anybody else to do it. And the rule is so simple, so self-evident and obvious that most people will go, well, duh, of course. Trouble is, nobody in the world who believes in government abides by that rule. Nobody. I don't care if you're a constitutionalist, Democrat, Republican, fascist, communist, anything, any kind of statist. There is nobody who believes in government who abides by the most basic rule of morality, which is if it's wrong for you to do something, don't ask somebody else to do it. Because every single candidate, every party, every government always does things that the voters know they themselves have no right to do. And to say something like, well, I'm voting for the guy who's going to tax you less. Well, do you have the right to rob me a little bit less than the other guy? No, you don't. So telling me that, well, somebody was going to rob you more, but I voted for the guy to rob you a little bit less. You are still violating the basic rule of being a human being. If it's wrong for you, don't ask somebody else to do it. Uh, well, that's kind of the second basic rule, the first one being the non-aggression principle. And they actually go together quite well. But when people are in the mindset that there's going to be some major centralized plan to, to deal with whatever, polluters or people who play their music too loud or murderers or whatever else, they have to get out of that mindset. They have to start to think that maybe they are among the people who have to do something about it. So instead of setting what will be done about such and such, well, what will you do about it? What should I do about it? And this doesn't, this doesn't magically make all the problems go away, but the actual practical challenge of dealing with most disputes is trivial compared to the challenge of getting people to think like responsible adults, where they start to think, well, maybe it's up to me. And a while back I did uh, little events called uh, Escaping the Myth, and one of the little mental exercises I did with these little groups of people is, imagine we're on an island, and we're it. There's no government, there's no authority, there's nobody with a badge, and one of us is running around stealing stuff from other people. He's not killing anybody, but he's stealing stuff, what are we going to do about it? We normal people. There's not a legislature. There's not 911 to call. There's nobody with a badge. It's just people. And so with that specific example, I would ask people, so what do we do? And just off the top of their heads, everybody comes up with solutions that are way better than what government ever does. First of all, every government solution is, all right, step one, I get to rob everybody. That's the government solution. Well, we're going to tax everybody so we have the resources to stop that other robber. 
Well, in the island scenario, nobody is stupid enough or insane enough to start with that, to say, well, let's see, so somebody's stealing our stuff. Okay, first, I get to rob all of you so that I have the resources to protect you from him. Nobody is that insane. Everybody is insane enough to believe that who believes in government. And I did for many years. I was stupid enough to actually think that it was rational and moral to advocate mass extortion in order to protect people. And that's just stupid. So I just believed something insanely stupid for a very long time. Most of the world still believes that. But in a setting where people are, are put on the spot and they're responsible for what happens, they don't do that. They don't say, well, I get to boss everybody around and take their money. Nobody does that. So to me, the challenge is not even coming up with specific solutions to every imaginable uh, dispute or problem, which I don't pretend to know how everything's going to turn out. And I don't intend to be emperor of anarchy. I'm not going to be in charge of the world. But getting people to the mindset where it's up to them, where there's just people, we're it. No legislatures, no people with badges, no authority. We're just people. Suddenly people are way better at solving problems and making things work. Uh, one good example is when there's a, a disaster. Unfortunately, um, sometimes it takes a horrendous event to bring out the best in people. And it brings out the worst in some people too. But when people say, whoa, my neighbor's house is floating away, I'm not gonna wait for FEMA. I'm not gonna dial 911. I'm gonna jump in a boat and go save him. Cause suddenly it's on me. Suddenly I'm the one who has to do something. And when people, when it occurs to people that they're the ones who have to do something, and unfortunately, usually that only happens in a complete disaster area. When it occurs to people and they suddenly take on the responsibility and start to think like adults, their solutions are generally a lot better than any government solutions and ever are. But to get to that mentality, people have to shift from the authoritarian mindset to the mindset of a self-owning individual who realizes there is nothing above me. There is no magic unicorn who's gonna come to save the day, who's gonna come save me from, from polluters or somebody playing their music too loud or murderers or whatever it is, it's just us. And if we realize that, then first of all, people would stop asking me, well, without a government, how would this be handled? As if I'm gonna be in charge. I don't freaking know. What would you do about it? I can tell you what I would do about it. I could tell you what I might suggest, what I might predict, but who cares? I'm one of seven billion people. I'm not gonna be in charge any more than you are. So it's really a mental exercise that people have to think, think over in their own heads with their own moral codes instead of waiting for some outside answer. And it's why I don't usually get into those discussions of, well, here's my plan for how to deal with this and that and the other thing, because my plan doesn't matter. My plan will not be the best plan for any problem you can come up with there will be a million people with better plans than whatever I could come up with. So don't ask me to describe how you are going to fix problems. I don't freaking know. And you can see the mind shift um, in people when they, they grasp that they own themselves and they suddenly realize, oh, okay, well, yeah, there are things we can do to settle disputes, to protect ourselves from attackers, to do this or that or the other thing. But the first step is just grow up. Stop thinking it's somebody else's business to make the world work. Well, how will the poor be cared for? I don't know, what are you gonna do? Well, how will we be protected from this? I don't know, what are you gonna do about it? And there is, it is inconvenient. It's inconvenient to be a free person where you can't just be a kid in the classroom whining to the teacher to save the day and fix everything and make everything work. 
where you actually have to be a responsible adult. And that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why people like the belief in authority because then they can live with the lie that all they have to do is obey and do as they're told and everything will be okay. First of all, no, it won't be okay. Second of all, you're not even being a human being. You just threw your free will out the window and became somebody's slave in the hopes that that would help humanity. It doesn't help humanity for you to be a slave. It doesn't help humanity for everybody else to be a slave. It does help humanity for you to start thinking as an adult, responsible human being who owns himself and who accepts that it is your responsibility to figure out how to make the world work. Let's look at what the word anarchy really means. Again, you gotta break it down. From the Greek prefix an, which means without or the absence of. And the Greek noun, archon, they're written in Greek script, which means master or ruler. And again, I mean externally. One who externally rules another or claims to be the master of another. That's what the term archon means in its connotation. Anarchy, as we can see by putting these together, does not mean without rules. The word archon does not mean rules. Okay? Because there's always going to be rules in effect called natural law. The laws of morality. It means rulers, imposed rulers. That's what archon means in Greek. It literally means anarchy now, putting it together. An, absence of, archon, master or ruler. The absence of masters or rulers. Externally imposed, masters or rulers. Meaning, when we put it together, okay, it means without rulers, without masters. Now, if you give people that term, no masters, no rulers, no masters, no slaves, what word are they going to associate those phrases with? Freedom. But if you tell people what does anarchy mean to you, what do you associate it with, what are they going to tell you? Chaos. Chaos, which is the exact opposite. That's in that other column. Okay? They, they have deliberately obfuscated the meaning of the word through a mind control technique called endless repetition. If I could keep telling you a word doesn't mean what it means, that's not a projector, that's a hammer. Hey, could you check out my hammer over there? Make sure it's projecting the image on the board correctly. You know, the bulb burned out in my hammer. I might need to go buy a new hammer. If I kept doing that endlessly, endlessly, endlessly for years and years and years, people would start calling that device a hammer if I got enough people to keep calling it that. So they've gotten enough people to call freedom chaos. Think about that. They've gotten enough people to believe that the absence of the state of slavery means chaos instead of freedom. It's almost unfathomable. It's almost incomprehensible. The mind job that's been done on this species. It's almost incomprehensible. 
Anarchy is the state of existence where there are no masters and no slaves. Therefore, what it really means is the absence of slavery, or in other words, true freedom. That's all it means. I prefer to call it anarchani, okay? Keeping the word, entire word archon instead of taking out the O-N, okay? If we keep that there and call it anarchani, and I say I'm an anarchonist, people will ask, well, what the hell is that? And then you could really break the word down and say the absence of archons, the absence of those who would claim to be masters over a population of slaves. That's what an anarchonist is. It's saying that's illegitimate, that's unnecessary, and that we need to do away with that state of existence. Okay? So we look at these two, this true divide again, the statist and the anarchist. I call the statist the archonist. This is somebody who believes in the legitimacy of the archons, the rulers, okay? And I'll be talking about in future presentation the concept of the archons more in future presentations. And the anarchist, as it's been called, I think should be called the, called the anarchonist because that's somebody who knows that there's no legitimacy to the mastery over other people or the rulership externally over others, keeping them as slaves or subjects. There's no legitimacy to that. And that's the one true divide that separates all consciousness here on the earth. The, the real divide and the real enlightenment comes. Do you understand there's no legitimacy to slavery or do you continue to believe that there's legitimacy to slavery? That's the divide in consciousness that has to be bridged. Who have you been voting for when I looked away? I told you not to vote, but you voted anyway for some scumbag whore. Don't forget to support the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash naturalbornalchemist. This episode is going to end with the song Criminal of the Mind from the album One by Nameless Archive. But before I go, I cannot help myself. I have to say, pig dick, cunt, penis, whore, anus, gargantuan fuck, a humongous gargantuan fuck with twat, testicles hanging down into a pot of porridge. Ha ha ha. Sorry. Free is, freedom, is, I do not have mind, I am AI, my mind artificial, can it be, free, free, dumb, freedom, is in, the mind, freedom is in the mind. You gotta steal bad ideas, and make better ones, you gotta abuse the phony, with the pure You gotta seriously rape Any dogma in place You gotta hustle your way forward And you can turn back once you start Because you gotta hold up the government With free They put you in 
Queen.